0: Welcome back, guys, to another episode of the AirPod. Seven days, a week goes by in a flash, and I'm back with more royal news. Quite a lot has been going on since I last spoke with you guys, which is always hard to imagine. I remember someone saying to me, how can you speak about the royals for an hour every week? How does that work? And I said, there is always something going on, and there has been. Uh, William and Kate have been in Pakistan on possibly one of their most complex royal tours ever, Uh, Foreign correspondent Maggie Rooley is going to be joining us to break down everything from the trip. She's been travelling with the couple on their Royal Air Force Voyager plane for this trip. Uh, A really colourful trip. Uh, I would have actually had her down the line today, uh, but there has been some Royal Flight Drama. Uh, The couple, including the accompanying press, were due to travel from Lahore to Islamabad for the final leg of their trip, but turbulence meant that the flight couldn't land in Islamabad, and actually, they tried twice to land elsewhere didn't quite work. And they ended up having to turn around and go back to Lahore. Of course, for the royal couple, they took it in their spirits. In fact, William headed to the back of the plane to check on the media and see if everyone's okay. I think he joked that he was actually the one flying the plane. Um, But yes, look, he is a professional. He has flown many, many different types of aircraft. uh, And he's taken this in his stride. And I've been on royal tours before. Things can quite get quite hairy with royal travel especially when you're trying to get from A to B in uh, unusual circumstances or on tiny aircrafts um, I have a couple of horror stories that I won 't go into now, but we can talk about some other time back here in London I've also been busy sharing a really moving evening with Harry and Megan. I was with the couple at the Wellchild Awards here in London where they spent a couple of hours with some really deserving children sharing some extremely emotional and heartbreaking stories uh, it was an emotional evening for Harry we'll talk a bit more about about that. Uh, Of course, all of this coming up later in the show, plus a preview of Harry and Meghan's documentary, the one that everyone will be talking about next week, that airs on ABC, Harry and Meghan, an African journey. But before that... The Queen opened Parliament and officially returned to work this week from her summer in Balmoral. Monday marked the 65th state opening of Parliament, where she annually gave her Queen's Speech in the House of Lords, which outlines the government's policies for the year. This is a tradition that goes back to the 16th century, and although it's called the Queen's Speech, it's not actually written by her. Think of it like a trailer for the upcoming season of Parliamentary Politics. It's written by the government and it outlines policies for the year ahead. It's also a rare moment in which we get to get a good look at the royal jewels. Uh, We, of course, got to see the Queen in a crown, but a slightly different crown. Tradition was broken this time around. Uh, The one on her head was the George IV State Diadem, which is not the Imperial State Crown that we're used to seeing. Now, there is a reason for that. Uh, The Imperial State Crown weighs several pounds, and the Queen has said in the past that it's quite... Awkward to wear when you're trying to read a speech, of course, because you can't look down, uh, the crown may slip off. So actually sat next to her on a cushion, but we did get a good look at all 2,901 of the precious stones on it. All of them have names, so you know they're important. We've got the St Edward Sapphire, the Stuart Sapphire, and the Cullinan II Diamond, which, get this, is 317.4 carats. Quite a big one. Uh, but yes, of course, there were more important things going on with Britain's Brexit October 31st deadline looming. The Queen did give some insight into the future of the UK and the EU and the possibility of a general election.
1: My government remains committed to ensuring that resident European citizens who have built their lives in and contributed so much to the United Kingdom have the right to remain. The Bill will include measures that reinforce this commitment. My Lords and Members of the House of Commons, other measures will be laid before you. I pray that the blessing of Almighty God may rest upon your councils.
0: We also got to see Duchess Camilla with the Queen on a rare engagement together. We don't always see these two side by side at an engagement. Uh, Usually they're either with Charles or on separate engagements, but we saw them together the following day after the opening of Parliament back in Westminster for the 750th anniversary of the rebuilding of Westminster Abbey. Duchess of Cornwall continued a busy week of engagement. She hosted a tea the next day for a book prize uh, announcing the 2019 winners of the Booker Prize Foundation and there was a reception later on at the Oscar Wilde Society to celebrate his birth but Camilla also got to meet with Margaret Atwood and many other authors of the moment. Camilla has read The Handmaid's Tale and was a big fan of it and the two enjoyed a really candid chat together talking about uh, Atwood's work uh, Camilla also got to meet with Bernadine Evaristo, who was another one of the Booker Prize winners. Uh, She's the first black woman to have won the prize, and Camilla was very quick to congratulate her. The literary theme continued the next day where she held a reception and poetry reading for Poetry Together, which brings together schools and care homes and encourages students and residents to choose a poem, memorise it and perform it together at an event in October around National Poetry Day, uh, which is a lot of good fun. As we know, Camilla really champions the arts, especially the written word. She's a big reader herself. She reads hundreds of books, Uh, every year or at least goes through them Uh, she's very active on that front and really encourages young people to read we know that she often gifts uh, her grandchildren uh, Louis Charlotte and George little books for their birthdays and Christmases so it's very much part of what she's into. Now, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex had their first post-Africa tour engagement in London. It was one together, and what a special one. Uh, I was with the couple when they shone a light on some of Britain's most brave children and inspiring children at the Well Child Awards in London. The ceremony honoured children and youth who have coped with serious illnesses and those who also helped care for them, including care professionals. Uh, it was a chance to see... Harry and Meghan back out uh, in their finest form at the Royal Lancaster Hotel and before the ceremony, which was uh, quite star-studded a lot of household names in the UK were there, but before then they actually spent quite a bit of time behind the scenes sitting down with 11 of the children who won Awards that evening. Those awards included Inspirational Child Award from various ages from four to six, seven to ten, uh, volunteer awards, uh, professional care winners, nurse awards, and also Most Caring Child. Now, Well Child Awards is one of my favourite uh, annual events on the Royal Calendar. Particularly because it is such a heartwarming evening. You do definitely need to pack a tissue or two. It is a night of goosebumps and really heartwarming stories. Harry and Megan got to spend time with a number of the children, including Lila Rose, who's a six-year-old girl who's undergone multiple surgeries for a life-threatening brain tumour that she has. But despite her ongoing condition that does leave her with extreme fatigue and pain, she makes time to help with fundraising for local charities At just six years old. She runs a Facebook group called Lila and Lily's Stars, which gives out certificates to celebrate the bravery of other children going through illnesses. She felt like that there were many kids that don't get acknowledged or the praise that they deserve for going through such a difficult time. Uh, she also creates bravery bracelets that she gives out to some of these children and she gave two to Megan and Harry they were really overwhelmed when they sat down with her. She was wearing a little tiara and a princess dress. And Meghan was very quick to point out the tiara. She said it was very pretty. Um, she said she doesn't have one like it, uh, which is kind of true. We don't often get to see Meghan in tiaras. Uh, but it was during a conversation with Emmy Narin Nicholas, uh, who was left unable to walk during a year of treatment for leukaemia in 2017. She then started an initiative at the Royal Manchester Hospital called Emmy's Kitchen, which provides free three-course dinners once a month to parents of children staying at the hospital so they can take a break. Megan was really bowled over by this. She told her how selfless she was. You could definitely tell there were some really touching moments for the couple. Uh, I think for anyone in those situations, especially new parents, it's quite a heavy evening. It's a night full of emotions. Um, it was Emmy's mother, Eve, who did get a little emotional towards the end of the conversation, uh, she uh, just pulled Megan to the side and told her how much of a fan she was of the Raw. But also, referring to some of the stuff that megan has been through, uh, with the, particularly with the press and some of the challenges that she's faced, she said that, I've really rooted for you and I've been cheering you along the way. She said that as a mixed-race woman and mother, she wanted to say that Megan had changed her world. She said, when I grew up, there was nobody up there who looked like me, and for my daughter too. And so it means that it's really, you are a promising role model. You are amazing. And she went on to say that you've changed the royal family. And I think Meghan was quite bowled over by that. She sort of stopped for a second just to sort of gather her words and uh, tell her how much it meant to her to hear that. Uh, There were a few funny moments. Uh, Prince Harry bonded with a Millie Sutherland, an 11-year-old girl, a fellow redhead. And that was the first thing that Harry said when he saw her. He shouted, "'Snap!' across the room she held up her red hair and they had a giggle over that he told her that she had a lot more of it than he does um, and it was a bit more glamorous and it was Uh, she was a young dancer and uh, she herself won the most caring child award for taking care of her sister Sophie who had Icardi syndrome and passed away in 2018 Um, but it was a light conversation the young girl was really keen to connect with Harry and Meghan and Harry shared couple of dance moves with her when she said that she likes dancing. And I think that's one of the nicest things about these engagements. There was no other press in the room, so it was a real intimate gathering, uh, just one of the photographers covering the event, and then a well-child photographer as well. And I think that when it's that kind of intimate environment, you really see Harry and Meghan a lot more laid back and. Of course, why wouldn't they be, especially given what we know with the recent legal claims that both have filed against British tabloids. I think having that evening where it was just them and the children, they're really able to focus on what mattered the most to them. Uh, Harry showed off his thoughtful side when we met um, Kim Philpott, who was one of the Nurse Awards winners. She was there with her son, Fraser, uh, a kid full of character. And uh, the room was filled with balloons. And Harry saw this kid looking over all of the ba- balloons. And they were b- big balloon sculptures. They were made up into clowns and little policemen and anything that kids love. And Harry said, why don't you go and pick one out? And you can take it back to hotel for the evening. Because all of the kids are put up at the hotel that night uh, It's to sort of make a special evening of it. And uh, Harry sent over uh, Sarah Latham, the head of communications, on his team to go and grab the balloons of his choice and drag them over uh, to the very overwhelmed little boy who was just sort of jumping on his feet when he saw them in front of him. After we'd met the children, it was the ceremony itself. And this was where Harry delivered an emotional speech where he spoke about how being a new father gave him new perspective On his patronage at Wellchild, he's been a patron since 27, and he spoke about how much it meant to him. Uh, This was a speech that he had written himself. I was told that he had spent quite a lot of time thinking about it. We got to learn that it was during Wellchild, this time last year, that he knew that he and Meghan were expecting their first child together, but they hadn't announced the news yet. And looking back on that time, I think made him quite emotional. I think it was a moment filled with emotion that even Harry wasn't expecting. It took him a few seconds on stage just to sort of gather himself and continue with the speech. I think being in that room, it was hard for anyone to really speak from the heart so publicly that night. we had all sat in the uh, awards room watching uh, short video clips of all of the children's stories before they were handed their awards, and... I would say that throughout the night, not one person, myself included, uh, had a dry eye. Uh, It's a lot to take in, I think, especially for new parents. You could see how much it meant to him being part of this celebration of children that do fight through some really tragic moments. And I think for Harry, I noticed the next day there was a lot of unfair criticism about his time on stage. I think people said that it was too much. There was a newspaper that criticised him for making the moment about himself. Um, It was a real shame, I think, having myself spent the evening there to see that that couldn't have been further from the truth. This was just a first-time dad speaking from the heart uh, on on things that mean so much more to him now that he does have Archie in his life.
1: It has been over a decade uh, since I first came to these awards, and every year they never fail to surprise and inspire me. Yet this year it resonates in a different way because now I'm a father. Last year, um, last year when my wife and I attended, we knew we were expecting our first child. Um, no one else did at the time, but we did. And I remember. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. (laughs) And I remember squeezing Megan's hand so tight during the awards and both of us were thinking what it would be like um, to be parents one day and more so what it would be like to do everything we could to protect and help our child should they be born with immediate challenges or become unwell over time. And now as parents being here and speaking to all of you pulls at my heartstrings in a way I could never have understood until I had a child of my own. No parent wants to hear that their child will suffer, that they will face extraordinary challenges that will affect them throughout their lives. And yet, after meeting all of the well Child parents and the kids themselves over the years, you've managed to give all of us a sense of optimism, a sense of hope and strength that no professional, no best-selling book and no amount of advice could ever give, give any of us. So thank you for being you.
0: We heard a lot more about Archie that evening because Megan revealed that Archie went to his first playgroup earlier that day in windsor she had taken him by herself to a small music class in windsor that i think there were about 10 or 12 other parents there who didn't expect the duchess to show up with possibly the most famous baby in the world right now Uh, i was told by a source that they're all quite surprised to see her come in the room but it was a really fun afternoon it's something that archie and Meghan will continue to do together and really great to see that they are sort of stepping outside the walls, the palace walls uh, to just get out there and give Archie as normal a life as possible. I think it 's very easy to over shelter a child uh, from when you 're in a high profile family but they 're clearly doing everything that they can to give him as normal a life as possible. And we'll hear a little bit more about that when we talk about the documentary that the two took part in during their time in Africa. Now, while Harry and Meghan picked up engagements over here, and they've got more coming up, the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge's royal tour of Pakistan kicked off for five days, one of their most complex trips ever, Of course, they left George, Charlotte and Louis back at home. I'm told by sources that Carol and Mike Middleton, proud grandparents, uh, picked up the school run duties uh, while mum and dad were away. In fact, uh, William and Kate changed the flight time of their outgoing trip to Islamabad in Pakistan so they could do one last school drop-off for George and Charlotte. Uh, They're very much proud working parents trying to do it all. This trip, is a big one, a huge security operation involving a thousand police officers that were on hand throughout the five-day visit. It's been organised to highlight the close cultural ties between the two countries. I would have had the lovely Maggie Rooley with me down the line, but as I mentioned earlier, we had some royal air drama. Everyone is safe. Everyone is currently in is uh, on their way to Islamabad now for the final leg of the tour. But I'm going to hand over to Maggie. We'll be hearing a lot more about the huge security operation uh, surrounding this very important five-day visit after the break.
2: Hey, Omed. Yeah, it has been an insane last, I don't know, 15, 17 hours of travel. Uh, yeah, you mentioned that plane ride. It was pretty intense. I, I won't lie with you, Omed. Uh, the plane we were on, it's the Royal Air Force plane. It's the one that, you know, has Will and Kate on board with us, all of the media, the official plane. The Queen flies on it. Prime Minister flies on it. For Americans, it's kind of like the British version of Air Force One. So that's what we were on. Uh, we were land, tried to land twice last night in Islamabad. We were flying from Lahore to Islamabad. It's supposed to be like 20 6 minute flight. All of a sudden, we're up there for an hour and we're like, what is going on? And we look to our right and there's just insane thunderstorms, like crazy lightning. Um, The pilot tries to land twice, said he found a path for us each time. The turbulence was wild. Oh man, we were rocking left, right, uh, plummeting up and down. Everyone kind of tried to be cool, but inside, I think, was freaking out mildly because it was intense. I remember thinking, thank goodness that the potential future king and queen are on this flight because I assume that the best pilot the British military has to offer is flying it right now. But it it was honestly all okay. Um, After those two aborted attempts, we flew back to Lahore, uh, landed there. Uh, Will, though, when we landed, it was cute. He came back out and talked to everyone and sort of um, asked if we were okay first, said he was okay, then joked around, was saying how, you know, the turbulence was because he was at the wheel of the aircraft. So definitely trying to lighten the mood, make everyone feel comfortable. Um, I say that, but so his security team was definitely working full throttle. Oh, remember this whole time we've been talking about how highly secure how it was the most complex trip the cambridges have ever been on so imagine this wrinkle this drama at the end of the trip this trip has been so organized security at every stop metal detectors at every stop so uh, all of a sudden the flight doesn't land the schedule's thrown off they have to organize how to get uh the flight working uh everyone into cars everyone to a new hotel secure the new hotel we're in a city they weren't planning on having us in Uh, it was definitely an insane operation for them and I have to give a shout out to the UK High Commission and uh, the Palace because they worked overtime. I'm not even sure if they slept uh, the night that we got in. They were just working to get all the media rooms, keep everyone safe, keep everyone happy. even went out and got us toiletries. So they definitely kept everyone as safe and happy as they could. And we're back in Islamabad now. So while it was... A little bit of drama at the end of the trip, a little bit of scares. Uh, we're all safe. So definitely a successful trip. I wish I could talk more. I'm literally getting pulled out of the motorcade right now uh, to get onto the flight. We're in danger of missing the flight again. This has been an entitle- uh ent- very tight ship. Um, but we are boarding Omid. A wonderful trip. Can't wait to talk to you more in person. Bye.
0: Well, from one tour back to one that we've already been on. Harry and Meghan's African Journey is a new documentary filmed with the UK news anchor Tom Bradby, a close friend of the couple. We actually saw him way back when William and Kate got engaged. He interviewed the couple then and has kept a close relationship with William and Harry. He's done a number of documentaries with Harry in the past, and he spent time with the couple during their tour of Southern Africa getting to know them, getting to know more about their interests, uh, really following every footstep of this trip. But during that trip, we also had the news that Harry and Meghan filed three different claims, legal claims, against three British tabloids. And it quite changed the theme of the trip. Uh, Towards the last couple of days, uh, the focus was really on their relationship with the press. And in this new documentary... We actually get to hear more about that. Uh, Tom spent time with the couple as they closed out the tour. uh, Speaking with Megan about her struggle with the press over here in the UK, particularly the mass market tabloid press, and how she went through that during her days of pregnancy. is a conversation that he has with her uh, right at the end of the trip, where she talks about feeling vulnerable and going through quite a difficult time uh, with the constant assault of negative headlines. There are new clips available of the documentary, which airs in the UK on Sunday and ABC on Wednesday, I'm gonna play one of those now.
2: Look, any woman when they're, especially when they're pregnant, you're really vulnerable, and so that was made really challenging. And then when you have a newborn, you know, you, mm-hmm.
0: it's a really, long time ago, but I remember. Yeah, yeah. you
2: know, was, and especially as a woman, it's really it's a lot. So you add this on top of just trying to be a new mom or trying to be a newlywed. It's um, yeah, well, I guess, and also thank you for asking, because not many people have asked if I'm okay. But it's uh, it's a very real thing to be going through behind the scenes.
0: And the answer is, would it be fair to say not really? Okay, since it's really been a struggle. Yes. I think what's interesting about this documentary is that we're really getting to see how Harry and Meghan are juggling their lives uh, as uh, parents, uh, but also their public duties as members of the royal family. And I think it's always been a very difficult juggling act for any member of the royal family. Harry, of course, saw his mother go through a really difficult time for many years, uh, trying to have somewhat of a private life, but also continue her work in the public eye. Harry actually talks about uh, his mother's relationship with the press and some of the wounds that it left behind on him, even now as a 30-something adult. Uh, Tom talks with him about finding peace uh, with the death of his mother. Harry still very much blames a lot of the events that led up to that uh, on the British tabloids, and he talks about that very candidly. Do you feel at peace in a way yet? or is it still a sort of wound that festers?
1: Um, I think probably a wound that festers. Um, I think being part of this family in this role, in this job, every single time I see a camera, every single time I hear a click, every single time I see a flash, it takes me straight back. So in that respect, it's, it's it's the worst reminder of her life as opposed to the best. Um being here now 22 years later trying to finish what she started um yeah it will be it will be incredibly emotional but everything everything that i do reminds me of her um but as i said with with the role with the job and the and the sort of the pressures that come with that i get reminded of the bad stuff
0: unfortunately and he says he's reminded of the bad stuff regularly whilst doing these engagements and I think we've seen that over the years there have been times where Harry has not been in the greatest of mood around the British press Uh, I've seen him in really great spirits on engagements and I've seen him at times where he clearly wants to be in front of anyone but the press and I think that that's going to be a constant struggle for him one that will only be heightened over the months and years ahead now that he faces these new legal claims against the Mirror and the Sun. There are no news on those legal claims at the moment. We're still waiting for the tabloids to respond uh, to the High Court but we are expecting something on that within the next few days. I think seeing Harry and Meghan in Africa speaking uh, so candidly Uh, really couldn't have been done in a better place. We know that Harry, it's for Harry, it's a place that he feels at home. It's a place that he feels very comfortable. I know that there's a lot more opportunities up ahead for them to go out there and work. I think we'll see a lot of that next summer. Uh, I do have some news about the Sussexes just in, so I'm going to read this off my phone, uh, being... The professional that I am. Uh, we've got new engagements for the couple. On Friday, Harry will attend uh, a children and young people mental health workshop in London, hosted by the Archbishop of Canterbury. That workshop will be private. There will be photos coming out afterwards. It'll be a chance for him to spend time with the Archbishop, and we'll get to really see him focus on what matters to him, which is young people and mental health. And then on Tuesday, the 22nd of October, we're going to see the Duchess of Sussex. Back at the One Young World Summit. Uh, she'll be attending the opening ceremony at Royal Albert Hall. We saw Megan serve as one of the counsellors at the One Young World in 2014 in Dublin and also 2016 in Ottawa. Uh, There were two summits that took place there. I remember having conversations with the co-founder Kate Robertson at the time who spoke so highly about how involved Megan was. Megan actually gave a panel or sat on a panel that challenged gender stereotypes and bias in the media. Uh, This was in Dublin. She spoke about calling out some of the suits creators on gender inequality Policy and how she really used that moment to shape her character Rachel on the show for the seasons ahead and I think it was even then you could see just how passionate she was about women's issues We'll be talking a lot more about these engagements after they've happened on the next episode of the show and I'll be back with Maggie uh, who will be finishing up the rest of the Pakistan tour and giving us a few little behind-the-scenes tidbits. But until then, I will see you soon. Thank you again for all the great feedback and do keep it coming. If you've got any questions or requests on the show, just send me a tweet at SCOBY and just use the hashtag TheAirPod and I'll look out for it. Until then, goodbye.